2 Timothy chapter number 4. And we'll get in our back in our series tonight, Last Day's Theology. And then we'll have next Wednesday night, Lord willing. And then uh, the next week is the conference. And I wish that you would be praying, really be praying for the conference. Pray for me as I teach through this series every morning uh, to all the preachers who were there. And uh, trying to condense all of these weeks into four different mornings uh, is going to be a challenge. So please pray about that and plan on being every session you can be at, be there. And uh, it'll be a help to you. Uh, I'm certain of that. Second Timothy chapter number four. I know it's raining. Can you hear me in the back? Some of you can't hear me normally anyway. So Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter number four. And a good thing about rain, uh, when church starts, there's no pressure on me to get done before the rain gets done. So check the weather report. It's not supposed to stop until about 10.15 or so. So uh, we'll get a lot accomplished tonight. Second Timothy chapter number 4. Uh, let me go ahead and give you the title of the study tonight. Uh, then I'll have a word of prayer. Then we'll read the uh, text and get right into things. Tonight I'm going to speak on emergent ear ticklers. Emergent ear ticklers. One of the great attacks that the emerging church makes, one of the areas, is in, the, in, in preaching. Uh, it is an, there is an attack on preaching uh, in this day. There always has been, especially in this day, and that is a big area. And you're going to see why tonight uh, Satan concentrates so much of his effort uh, into attacking preaching. So, emergent ear ticklers. And uh, let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for your many blessings. I pray now with the time we have remaining, uh, may we have clarity of thought. Uh, may we be reminded of your plan. May we be reminded of the importance to uh, stay obedient to Scripture. And Father, may you use us uh, in this world to be a witness to others uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I read the Scripture tonight, I'll begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter 4 in just a moment. Let me remind you that uh, the emergent church is built out of rebellion. One of their big words is deconstruction. Uh, this is one of their words. This is not a word we use to describe them. This is a word that they use to describe themselves. Uh, that deconstruction. We want to deconstruct the way things have always been. We want to deconstruct the traditional church in this modern era that we live in. They want to deconstruct everything uh, that uh, they, 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 sometimes they'll refer to it like everything that our grandparents did in church. We want to deconstruct that. You cannot deconstruct uh, traditional values, you cannot deconstruct the church, you cannot deconstruct the way things have always been, been done and find truth. Uh, I've taught in the past, and I'll not reteach it all tonight, uh, what, the, what they believe they don't have, they can't offer you a set of beliefs. It's what they are deconstructing. We don't know what we believe, we just don't believe in the traditional church. Well, then you go into, and I'll get touched on a little bit tonight, you go into, it's more of a sensual experience. It's more of a 
fleshly experience. And we've seen in chapter 3 all of those things that take place in religious circles today. So it's that rebellion, that deconstruction, that uh, we're going to go against the way things have always been. And you cannot deconstruct the church without deconstructing what goes on in the church. Uh, That's why the music, I don't think I'll touch on it next week because it could spread into two or three different weeks. Uh, The music ties into the sensory experience. That's what they're looking for. And I'll touch on that a little bit tonight. If you're deconstructing all those things, you have to deconstruct preaching. You have to become a critic of the pulpit, of preaching itself, of the preacher, of his mannerisms, of his style, of the way the church, the service is built around preaching. You have to deconstruct that and therefore replace it. And we're going to find this this evening. Scripture talks about that. Look at chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing a letter to Timothy. His son in the faith. This young pastor, he gives him all kinds of instruction in First Timothy, chapter, uh, First Timothy, the book of First Timothy, the book of Second Timothy, chapter one, chapter two. Uh, he he teaches him to to pass from one faithful man to another faithful man, to fight the good fight of faith, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We get to chapter three. He warns him in, in the last days, perilous times are going to come, and he begins to identify. Paul does and point out. Uh, all of the characteristics of these in the last days and how they'll have a form of godliness. They'll say they're of God, but they deny the power thereof. There's no Holy Spirit conversion. There's no Holy Spirit presence. And all of these different things, at the end of verse 3, he reminds them from a child, or chapter 3, he reminds them from a child, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures, and it tells him to continue in verse 14, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It goes into chapter 4, and Chapter 4, the most well-known verse in chapter 4 is, is probably verses 6 and 7 where Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul's journey is almost done. Paul's life is almost over. He knows it. So as he begins to wrap up this book, this letter to Timothy, he warns him of everything that will take place in those last days. Then in chapter 4, before he signs off, he says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead. Timothy, I remind you, I've told you the last days are going to come. I've told you all these things are going to be evident. But let me remind you who the judge is. Let me remind you who's who's deciding who's right and wrong. Let me remind you he's going to judge the quick, the alive, and the dead. In verse number 2 he says, preach the word. What is the solution to chapter 3? The solution is found in verse number 2 of chapter 4. Preach the 
word. Let me make some statements by way of introduction and then I have three, three points I want to make tonight. First statement is this, God intended for preaching to be primary. That is God's plan. See, preaching is designed to bring the listener to a decision. Teaching is the giving of knowledge. Preaching is a little bit different. It brings you to a point of decision. What are you going to do with what God has said? You need to decide what you're going to do with what God has said. That's why we, at the conclusion of, of service on Sunday morning and Sunday night, we'll have that invitation. We want people to decide. I want you to decide. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to reject it? Are you going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to use it? God intended for preaching to be primary. We have what I believe is the best music that you could possibly have in church, but it is secondary to what takes place behind the pulpit, and that is the preaching of the Word of God. Now, it's important to have the right kind of music because it helps the preaching of the Word of God. It sets the stage, if you will, for the preaching of the Word of God. But we could have church without music if we had to. But you can't have it without preaching the Word of God. Preaching, God intended for preaching to be primary. The emerging church, the contemporary church, takes the emphasis off of preaching where God placed it and places it on the worship experience. Why you would even allude to church as a worship experience, I, 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 can't, I can't tell you. But that's a terminology that, that you read a lot. They take the emphasis off of preaching and put it on, on the worship experience to our Guest, how was their worship? How do you think their worship experience was? Or follow up, how was your worship experience? God puts the primary on preaching. It's called the foolishness of preaching. It, 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 the, to, to lost man, it certainly is foolish. To those who, who do not know God, it is foolish. It is called the foolishness of preaching, is what God decided is to be primary. I do not have the authority, you do not have the authority, no one has the authority to take the emphasis off of what God has placed the emphasis. So the emerging church takes the emphasis off of preaching and places it on the worship experience. The spiritual man, statement number three, the spiritual man wants his soul fed. The carnal man wants his flesh pacified. Preaching is designed to only fulfill one of those tasks. There's carnal man, there's spiritual man. The spiritual man wants his soul fed. He wants the bread of life. He wants the bread of the Word of God. The carnal man wants his flesh satisfied. Preaching is not designed to do both. Preaching is only designed to do one of those. That is why when someone wants their flesh pacified, they want their flesh uh, appeased, they do not like preaching because preaching is not designed to pacify the flesh. As a matter of fact, preaching is designed by God to afflict the flesh, to make the flesh uncomfortable. That is the design of preaching. 
a worship experience is designed to pacify the flesh. See, the spiritual man is looking for preaching. The spiritual man, when you're seeking God, the preacher can't preach hard enough. He, he, he can't, boy, Pastor, you really stepped on my toes tonight. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Well, praise the Lord. Give you a little time to grow in grace and you'll be mad at me. As you grow in grace, you'll get upset that I stepped on your toes. No, the spiritual man says, I want it because it helps me. I want it because the Holy Spirit is convicting me. I want it because I needed to hear what was said to me tonight. That's the spiritual man. The carnal man comes to the house of God, says, he bet that pastor better not go there. Who does he think he is? That's why these emerging churches have done more damage, that, in my opinion, than any of the cults and false religions you want to name, because not only are there lost people sitting in those pews, there are backslidden Christians who got upset at a Bible-preaching preacher because their flesh did not get pacified and they will go somewhere where their flesh is appeased. Meaning, there can't be preaching there. Because preaching is not designed to do both of those things. Everybody with me? You still hear me in the back? Fourth statement by way of introduction. The acceptance of a carnal, sensual lifestyle without Holy Spirit leadership leads to a resistance and rejection of Bible preaching. Let me say that again. The acceptance of a carnal, sensual lifestyle without Holy Spirit leadership leads to a resistance and rejection of Bible preaching. Let me say it like this. When we get to chapter number 3 of 2 Timothy, and we find that in our churches... We find that because we have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And before the end of the year, or before the end of 2019, I'll take some time on one of these Wednesday nights and show you the resistance to the Holy Spirit. They, don't, they, they reject the Holy Spirit. They reject everything about it. They're denying the power thereof. Because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It is not... It's always interesting. You get somebody who's new to church. They've been saved, haven't been saved very long. You pre- you preach a message. You preach what God puts on your heart. You come, and then after the service, you're like, "That you were talking about me the whole time." And I barely even know your name at this point. I, I don't even know where you work. I don't even know anything about you. What is it? That is the Holy Spirit of God. I, as a pastor, as a preacher, cannot bring conviction to you. It's not possible. It's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. The Holy Spirit is the author of this book. It's the Holy Spirit. If the pastor is doing his job, and he has got with God, and he's prepared what God would have him to give, and he preaches in the power of the Spirit of God, if the music has been what it's supposed to be, so the Holy Spirit has not been, is, is not choked, has not been grieved, and the Holy Spirit can work and move in the hearts of people, it is the Holy Spirit of God that brings conviction through the preaching of the... the when we accept a carnal lifestyle, 
It leads to a resistance and a rejection of Bible preaching. That's why, and I'm getting bogged down here, that's why you can take two Christians and they can have the exact same dress standards. They can be listening to the same exact music. They can be going to the same places. They can have the, the same uh, friends, if you will. And one of them will like the preaching still and the other one will not. See, Pastor, how is that possible? Because you have two Christians going in opposite directions. You got a new Christian, you got a babe in Christ who's under the preaching, he's heading this way away from the world. You got a Christian who's backsliding, who has been over here and heading towards the world, and at some point they're going to be doing the same exact things, but you can tell who is who by the resistance to preaching. Man, Pastor, that was, you were talking about me. I need to stop doing that. You flip it around, same exact situation, and you hear, I can't, but who does he think he is? Saying what he said. One reveals a carnal spirit. The other reveals a man who says, I may not have got this all figured out, but I, I want somebody to tell me about it. So the acceptance, when we get to chapter 3, we accept carnality, preaching's got to go. That's why you take some churches who have stood for years and now they're compromising in their music, they're compromising in, in separation, they're compromising in all these things. Well, he still preaches out of the King James Bible and he still preaches. It's only a matter of time. The people will go where he's got to go. Because carnality resists preaching. God intended for preaching to be primary. The emerging church emphasis is on the worship experience. There is a great, great difference. I do not want to go to church and have an experience. I want to leave church knowing that God spoke to my heart. That God did something in my life. It would bother me as a pastor if my people... Don't you dare do this to me after the church tonight just to get under my skin. It would bother me if my congregation left saying pastor was off the chain tonight. That worship team, boy, they were, oh, they were hitting it tonight. And oh, the experience. That's why you have to have the black ceilings and the lighting and the, and the, and, and the worship because you have to have an experience because God's not there to speak to the heart. It's not about the preaching. Now let me get into the outline tonight. And it's still raining pretty hard, so it sounds like I have plenty of time uh, this evening. First of all, let me mention what God intended for preaching to be. This is what God intended for preaching to be. Notice in verse number 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. What does God intend for preaching to be? To be it says to be instant. So pastor, what does that mean? It says to be instant, in season, out of season. Let me kind of summarize it. It means to be constant and ready in favorable and unfavorable times. A preacher ought to be ready to preach what God has instructed him to preach, preach the Word of God when it's a favorable setting or when it's an unfavorable setting. When it's popular, when it's unpopular. 
like this in the pulpit and in private conversation. A preacher is just ready to preach. He's saying, Timothy, you preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. No matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, you be ready to go. Look for the opportunity from the pulpit to a private conversation. My family, my wife had to have some oral surgery. She's not here tonight, but she always, she'll ask me this question. We have to go to the store, which I try and avoid as often as I can. Are we walking through the mall? Are we, are, are, are they're, are, are they're watching something on TV and I'm just ready to... They don't, I come in and sit, that's funny, I come in and sit, it's, it's America's Funniest Home Video. Is that, is that all right? I've seen a couple of you on there, by the way, but, um, Dad, or, Hun, can't you just watch something without preaching at it? No, I can't. It's in me. It's in season out of season. Really, I do that just because I don't want to watch. Anyway, um, reasoning in favorable and unfavorable times. Preaching is to herald, is to proclaim. That's what that word preach means. I, he's saying, Timothy, herald the word. Proclaim the word. Nowhere can you find the definition of preach and proclaim how you can get dialogue out of that. It's just not there. God is not interested, you out there tonight? God is not interested in man's opinion. That's why he said proclaim the word. He didn't say, well, you've got the culture you got to be sensitive to the culture today. Now, find out what they think about it. God's not interested in that. He, he's not interested in your opinion about His Word. He's not interested in my opinion about His Word. He just says to His preacher, preach the Word. Well, some of the Word of God seems abrasive and seems harsh. Preach the Word. Because then, say... But, but people don't readily accept that. That's why, if you understand the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does, I tell you, there's sometimes, and it happened not too long ago, Lord, I put a message on my heart, and I was like, oh, Lord, that's not going to go too well. He, and, I, and I'll come in and preach it. And sure enough, it's one of those services I come in and say, my whole family's here. They're all Catholic, unsaved, and, and half of my message. You know what it's on. But I'll preach it's amazing what the Holy Spirit will do when that Word of God is offensive to our flesh. It to preach is to proclaim, it's to herald. It's to be, we're to be instant, favorable, unfavorable, constant. That, that right there goes against the emerging church. It says we've got to deconstruct it because we live in a different day today. Uh, people are different today. Uh, instant. It says to reprove. That word reprove there very simply is to try and convince with reason, to admonish, to give that instruction. The Word of God is what guides us, what directs us. It says to reprove. Reprove and rebuke are often put together. That word rebuke, defined by the 
Webster's 1828 dictionary is to chide, to reprimand for a failure. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. When you preach, part of it is reproving, but part of it is rebuking. That is in Scripture. That goes against everything that the contemporary church holds to. It's, it says to rebuke. One preacher from another century said it like this, do so with seriousness and authority that they may take the displeasure with them as an indication of God's displeasure. Did you get that? Do so with seriousness and authority that they may take the displeasure with them as an indication of God's displeasure. There are things, many things, the Scripture teaches us offends a holy God. And there are things in this Bible that this pastor is commanded by God, don't you give an inch in these areas. And there are times when it's the pastor's responsibility, and I'm thankful we have a church where this, this, doesn't, this isn't a common practice, where it's like, I'm preaching on this tonight because God has led me because there needs some rebuking that needs to take place. Now, I will say this. There's times, I said for, in a moment, be instant in the pulpit in a private conversation. Some of those things take place in a private conversation more than the pulpit. But it is part of what Paul instructs Timothy is preaching is. But you know what you and I don't like? We don't like to be rebuked. We don't like for somebody to tell us that we're wrong that we're going another direction. But that is what God, you see it in your Bible there, don't you? That's what God says to do is to rebuke. One preacher, I love this statement. I'm not even sure what it means. It just sounds good. From, a, from the 16th century, one preacher said it like this. When preaching and you have to rebuke. Blame with a declared manifestation of dislike. I think that just kind of sums it up. You better get, get angry about it. Let them know something's not right. That's part of preaching, is rebuking. Not just that, exhorting. It says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That word exhort means to implore or to encourage. With long-suffering and doctrine. Let me say it like this. I look at the preaching, and I look at the preaching that I do to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm to exhort, I'm to implore, I'm to encourage. That's my favorite part of this. I don't like to rebuke. And if I do what I should in exhorting, I don't have to do it as often. But it's all part of it. But that implore, encourage, with long-suffering and doctrine, patient and plan. As a preacher, and I'm, I'm going to teach you, I'm teaching you very quickly what God intended for preaching to be, and then we're going to see what the emerging church in just a moment has made it. But I'm to exhort you. I'm to encourage you. I'm to implore you to do what? Follow the Word of God. Grow as a Christian. Grow in grace. Serve the Lord. 
how am I supposed to do it? Long-suffering in doctrine. We're just supposed to be patient. Not every Christian is going to grow the same rate. Not every person is going to get it like everybody else does. I'm going to be patient. But also with doctrine, means I'm planned. It's part of my responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. The part that we all like to talk about, the part that we don't like to talk about, the whole doctrine. One of the secrets of Emmanuel Baptist Church, the strength, it's one of secret, is that the, their doctrine, we are doctrinally sound. It's taught through the Sunday school lessons. It, doctrine is given from behind the pulpit, but it's to be plain, it's to be patient and planned. Now that quickly is what God intended for preaching to be. Instant, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Everybody with me? Now let's see number two, what the emerging church has made it. It's amazing. There's no new thing under the sun and how relevant the Bible is today. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers having itching ears. What the emerging church has made preaching is fluff, not doctrine. Paul says they'll not endure sound doctrine. Uh, you know what independent Baptists, Bible preaching, fundamentals like we, we hold to, the thing that we will get criticized for, the thing that we will get uh, persecuted over is doctrine. You say, can you be more specific? I'll be more specific. The doctrine of holiness. Bible separation. That's where we get criticized. That's where we get called. That's where we get falsely accused as a legalist by people who couldn't even define the word. But holiness is a doctrine. Separation is a doctrine. It doesn't do you any good to hold a King James Bible if you don't believe half of it. Uh, they have gone to fluff. No substance. It's cotton candy theology. It's pretty, it's fluffy, it tastes good, but there's no nutritional content to it. it is not, there is no doctrine to it. It is also, though the emerging church has made it, they have made it a worship of their flesh. When they will not endure sound doctrine. Why will they not endure sound doctrine? Scripture tells us. In spite of what they say about Bible preaching churches. Now you ask them, why did you leave that Bible preaching church? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Now, now they'll tell you what it is, but Scripture tells us. I, I, can, I understand, and this is kind of a side note, but it's, it, it applies. I can understand, and I'll use that word loosely because there's a lot that can go into that. If a Christian feels the need to leave one Bible preaching church and go serve in another Bible preaching church. Are you with me? I'll use this as an example. We started the Berea Baptist Church with Brother Palacios, who was our Spanish pastor for all these years. And he and I sat down beforehand... And we picked a lot of people to go with him to start it. 
I'm like, I don't want him. I, some of you were on that list, but he wouldn't take you. So, you know, so, uh, uh, and so we did that. We said, we're going to help start and plant this church, take some of these people, mostly our Spanish congregation. But then after he started, there were two or three. He's like, Pastor, I, I think I would like to go over there. Now, I hate to lose anybody, but I didn't have any reason. It felt like they could start. I said, okay, go over there. I know what Brother Nelson is preaching. At least he was when he was here anyway. I believe sometimes, sometimes that could happen. Bible preaching church to Bible preaching church. But you cannot find a verse of Scripture that will justify somebody going from a Bible preaching church to a non-Bible preaching church. I'm not talking about a Catholic church, a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church. I'm talking about a contemporary emerging church. You cannot show me a verse of Scripture. But the Bible does say they will leave sound, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Well, we like that worship experience. We like that music. Okay. One question for you. Does God like it? Does it honor God? Well, it uses the name of Jesus. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people use His name in a blasphemous way. Does it honor God? It's not about what our flesh likes. It's about what God likes it's about what he is pleased with. And the reason why they don't endure sound doctrine is because it is their own lust. You and I would be lying tonight if there's not times we get into word of our Word of God, our own private Bible study, or the Word of God is preached, and it does not grate against our flesh. It does not upset our flesh. It doesn't wound our flesh. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to show us what we really are. And what do, I need that. I need to be told that my flesh is not right. I need, well, that's the only way I'm going to grow. That's the only way I'm going to become more like Christ. We, we, when we don't endure the sound doctrine, why is it? We want to go where, where, where after our, why do we go to those kind of things where there's, there's, no, there's no distinction, uh, there's no doctrine, there's no separation of any kind, there's no witness to this world. Why? Because after our own lust, it makes me feel good well come as you are that sounds good but what they don't tell you is the other side they want you to leave the same way you came I don't care how you come to the Emmanuel Baptist Church but I hope and I pray that you leave a little bit different than when you came and if you come after some time, hopefully you're going to grow in the Word of God. And, but it's after their own lust. And the emerging church has made a fluff, not doctrine, a worship of the flesh. And, it, and no authoritative instruction. They will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want somebody just to tickle those ears. Somebody to tell them what they want to hear. You're doing good. You're, you, you just fulfill your purpose and have a relationship with Christ. 
They don't want a confrontation. They don't want to be told where they're wrong. They want somebody to tell them that they are doing okay. And that is why, uh, that's what the emerging church has designed it to, 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 to reach a lost person or a carnal Christian. It is not designed to make anybody grow in grace because it comes from a non-authoritative instruction. Friend, God designed preaching. When the preacher, the preacher of the Word of God gets up, he preaches, he should preach with authority. Why is that? It's because you're preaching from the authority of the Word of God in the stead of God it is a very serious matter, and the authority I have does not come from me. Don't listen to what I say because, because of me, but you should listen to what I say because it comes from the Word of God. It comes from, I stand in God's stead. That is the authority in this emerging church contemporary crowd. I was even reading about it again today, that they do not like that. They say church ought to be flat. You say, what do they mean by that? Everybody's just like everybody else. There's no authority. That's why we can sit in a circle and everybody give their opinion. Do you realize how, how foolish it is for a lost person to come to church and give their opinion on a book they cannot understand? They ought to come to the house of God and get, Thus saith the Lord, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ from a position of authority. Not, well, if you don't believe that, that's okay. Now, if you don't believe what I say, that's okay. But if you don't believe what God says, there's a problem. And it's that position of no authority. That's what the emerging church has made it. That's why you don't see growth in the Christian life. That's why somebody can go to one of those churches for years and years and years. They never grow. They're the same. Uh, you ought to want to grow as a Christian. But to do so, you're going to have to fight your flesh. You know, one thing to help fight your flesh is the preaching. The way God designed it, the way the emerging church has made it. Now, number three. And we'll see how the timing is of me getting done in the rain. Let me give you the result of the emerging church worship experience. That sounds like a ride or something, does it? The result of the emerging church worship experience. Look at verse number 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Look at what the Scripture says. They shall turn from the truth. Turn their ears away from the truth. They don't even want to hear it. They don't even want to listen to it. They, are, they leave the truth. That is the result. Say, Pastor, are these emerging churches, these contemporary churches, are they really as bad as you say? I believe based on Scripture, they are. Because Scripture says there's a progression you preach the Word for all of these reasons, but the day is going to come when they're going to turn to fables and they will turn their ears away from the truth because they just want somebody to tell them what they want to hear. 
See, when you start a church because you go into a community and pass out a survey, what would you like in a church? You won't find that in Scripture. It's the contrary. We're a called out assembly. You turn from the truth. What does that mean? It means you reject it. You refuse to hear it. Because the Scripture says, verse 4, they turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This will help some of you because most of us know at least one person who knows better who goes to one of these churches. And you say to yourself, why in the world do they do it? Well, the rejection of the preaching, the appeal to the flesh, that, that all of that is true. But when Scripture says there's a progression, there is a progression. And they turn from truth. They reject it. They refuse to hear it. They go into fables. They accept religious speech with no doctrinal foundation and no authority. They shall turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It is easier for me to deal with a lost person steeped in whatever sin, get them to the gospel, than it is somebody who's been in one of these churches. Because their ears are turned away from the truth. They believe fables. It is easier as a pastor for me to deal somebody who has just left the things of God and is living in sin. It is easier to try and get them back to the house of God than it is to get somebody who's doing some of the very same things but sitting on the pews of one of these contemporary emerging churches. Why is it? They've turned their ears away from the truth. You know who the biggest critics of Bible preaching churches are today? It's not the Catholics. It's not the Methodists. It's not the Episcopalians. It's the contemporary emerging churches. Those that grew up in churches just like this, part of other churches, I use that term loosely. Why is it? They decide to believe fables. And everything that the emerging church teaches is a fable. The contemporary, emerging church, self-help, new age belief is a fable. And half of you are looking at me like you can't hear a word I'm saying back there. So, I would wrap it up, but you have nowhere to go. So, can y'all hear me back there? Okay, good. You see the progression Chapter number three. We've spent a lot of time in chapter number three. Let this know also the last days, perilous times shall come. All of those things in verses two, three, and four, all those characteristics that we can find in the emerging church today. Because there is no authority, there is no truth. Stay as you are. Paul writes, gets down to chapter four, and he says, now preach the word. That's why if we're going to stay a scriptural church preaching has got to stay at the center. 
Preaching is the most important thing. Pastor, why are we going to have a week-long conference in a couple weeks? Preaching. Because it's going to help us. It's going to help other people. That is the primary thing that God has established. Very simply, if you're going to deconstruct everything that God has set up, you have to go to what God has placed primary, and that's preaching. There's a progression. God intends it to be one thing. The emerging church makes it something else. It's not about doctrine. It's fulfilling your own lust. Make you feel good. And then the result of that is we see you turn from the truth, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and it shall be turned unto fables. That's why, as a pastor, I have to protect the pulpit. I have to keep preaching the primary thing. We've got great musicians. The Stanley's do a wonderful job of the music. They know what kind of music that we, 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 we want. Mrs. Stanley gets a little contemporary on me once in a while, but I rein her in. Um, why, why is it? Sometimes I go, no, I don't want that. It's because I know it's going to affect this. Or, Pastor, can we add this program? I'm afraid it's going to affect this. And sometimes you have to make decisions that nobody else is going to understand because you don't want to affect the preaching of the Word of God. That is what changes the hearts of men, the Word of God through the preaching of the Word of God. Let's stay hungry for preaching. So, well, I, I just, that, just got, that just rubbed me the wrong way tonight. Well, I'm not talking about tonight, but any night. Is it because of the way I said it or is it because of what I said? Is it because it's the Word of God? Is it because it's the Holy Spirit? Why is it? If the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, do business with it. And it's always got to be built around preaching. The contemporary movement say, Pastor, what is one of the main problems that starts off from the beginning because it's built on rebellion and what it does with preaching? The preaching has got to stay primary. Let's keep it primary. Father, I